0: Welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of Courageous Conversations. And we have with us as our very special guest, David Robinson. Welcome, David. Thank you, Leanne. Pleasure to be here. Um, Dave, you're our first bloke, Davey. Wow. I know. What an honour. Um, so, Dave, you've been with me now, is it four years? Yeah, we're coming up to four years next month. Wow. Starting as our business development person and now our network um, coach. That's right. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about what you did prior to Lang and Simmons? Yeah, sure.
1: So uh, this year will be my 21st year in the industry. Um, so I am expecting a yard glass. Yeah, totally. Um,
0: and over... I'm expecting to watch you drink it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so over that time, I guess I've held most roles inside of the industry. I started out as a salesperson. Yep. Um, I had a, a number of different roles as a salesperson, then stepped up to a sales manager. Yep. Um, I've been a business partner inside of an agency. Right. Um, I was a, a regional sales manager for a very large uh, brand just before I joined you. And then, as you mentioned, I came in and, uh, and took the business development role on. Beautiful. Yeah.
0: And so interesting time to be a coach yeah, at the very, moment very. with the way the market is. <laughs> I don't know if you've told me a coach or a psychologist. It's yeah. kind of like hop onto my couch. Yeah, 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 totally. So obviously you're having lots of conversations around vendor management, price management, that kind of thing. Yeah. But what are the courageous conversations that people mm. need to have or that you either need to have with people or people yeah. need to have maybe with themselves. Yeah, look, and, and,
1: and in many cases, I think they're one and the same. Um, you know, I think that the biggest courageous conversation that we need to be having at any point in time is the one that we have with ourselves. Um, it, you know, one of my favorite sayings is what we don't confront, we validate. And, you know, whilst that is true for the people that we manage, whether they be salespeople, whether they be vendors, it's exceptionally true for ourselves.
0: Yeah. Basically, the behavior we walk past is the behavior that we have to accept. That's right. And that, Absolutely i <laughs> So, what is it that people are walking past? What is it people are accepting? Yeah, well, I think, look, if you
1: start at, at the coalface, I think for the most part, we've still got a whole lot of salespeople out there that are representing property that we know has not met the market. And yep. so, you know, that courageous conversation needs to be that the agent needs to be able to look the vendor square in the eye and say, you know what, perhaps we're actually not going to get the price that you'd hoped for that I told you. And, you know, I could tell you what you need to hear or what you want to hear. Unfortunately, we can only have one of those. Outcomes. And you know, that is a courageous conversation. It takes kind of 30 seconds of courage and know that on the other side of that is either going to be an outcome that's going to be really beneficial for you or the client, or you know, potentially you're going to have an increased level of friction and you know maybe lose that piece of business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just the fear of losing the business either, though, is it? It's the fear of losing face. It's the fear of being wrong. It's the fear of that you've let your client down. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: And and you know, there are some agents out there in the marketplace that will potentially pitch high for a piece of business by design. And sure. you know, in a rising market, that's been a valid strategy because the marketplace has caught up to where we priced the home over a 90 day period of time. Whereas now the market, I guess, traditionally has been going the opposite way. We've had to pedal twice as fast to kind of bridge that gap.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know you've said to me before that some agents in some areas are trying to justify the prices. They're yep. they're wanting to keep the price at a certain level in their yep. area. Yeah. And that's just not it's not an effective strategy for anybody. No, and and you're seeing those agents either bank Plentiful levels of stock, yeah. and
1: you know, unless something changes in the world, unless they have a quantum shift in their view of how they manage their stock, well, they're just collecting liabilities. Whereas, you know, in this marketplace, in a contracting marketplace, a listing is not a li- not a, not an asset until we've got that sold sign on, and that's yeah. where you know we monetize that. So, um, you know, it's all about managing risk. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, you and I have had a few courageous conversations over the four years that we've been um, that we've been working together. Yeah. Yeah. In particular, um, around my desire to push you onto the stage, mm. I know I've always known the value that you've got to actually impart to an audience. But let's talk about your fears around public speaking and how you've actually managed to get over that.
1: Yeah. So I think that comes back to the courageous conversation that you have with yourself. And, you know, one of the things that I quite often say to my clients is the only voice that matters is the one that talks to you about you when you're only with you. And, you know, we're really, really good at presenting an image or a picture to the outside world. And I guess that's in the, the name of craving significance, if you like. We want the world to see us a certain way. But kind of deep inside, we tell ourselves a different story. Right. And I think if you reflect upon my journey, for the most part, people saw the skill sets or the competencies or the abilities for me to be on stage, but yet, I doubted myself. Sure, and if we think about what that doubt was, it came from a place of fear, and it was a fear of feeling exposed. You know, getting up there and feeling inadequate—for want of a better word—feeling Feel, right? judged. Feeling judged. I yeah. think that judge is being judged um, uh, negatively. Yeah, um, you know, it detracts from your significance or your esteem. Yeah, and so I was telling myself stories about what the audience would perceive me as, yep. how they would think
0: and then ultimately what that would reflect upon as my, uh, you know, my, my, my image of self. Yeah. I think it's a really important conversation for us to be having because that's, you know, Davey, you're a bit of a girl. What sure. can I tell you? That's actually a very female way of thinking, right? right? Okay. Yep. So lots of women <coughs> fear um, getting on stage because either they haven't got a, a story of value to tell yep. or people are going to judge them for what they're saying, how they look, for whatever reason. Yeah. People are fear. Uh, fear being judged. So I think it's a really powerful message to know that it's actually, you know, the blokes feel the same way often. Yeah, look, absolutely. I
1: don't, I'm not I'm not necessarily convinced that it is gender archetype no. specific. I think, yeah. you know, for me, I'd always held roles of, uh, you know, mentorship or leadership sure. in some capacity. And so therefore, I told myself the story that I needed to be able to, to deliver with complete authenticity and congruency, uh, at that level, and I, I am my own harshest critic, and, so, and you know I always end up, or I did always end up with um, paralysis by analysis. <laughs> yes, I, would have, you I would have conniptions, <laughs> and I would turn it inside out. Um, And, you know, the preparation that I would need to do, um, you you know, far exceeded the requirement. And if if you remember at the beginning of this year, you asked me to speak at Springfield. Oh,
0: I remember. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And I mean, I had prepared, um, I had a 15 or a 20-minute slot to fill and I probably, um, you know, prepared the equivalent of four hours worth of content, yet I I, I backed out at the last minute for that fear of, um, you know, what what is the audience going to perceive me as? Because I built in my mind that I needed to position myself a certain way. Yeah. And and I backed out of that, and you know. Probably,
0: so let me ask you this: What? How did you feel after we did? I mean, after you backed out, I'm sure yeah. you felt
1: relief. Um, look, I think that when I first um, made the decision, yeah, I felt relief. However, having been at the event on the day and yeah. seeing the speakers and looking at them through a more critical lens, and that is not the lens of a. Consumer, but looking at the skill set and the message sure. they presented versus what I can.
0: So you were there going,
1: I could have done that I, or I could, I could have, have done that I better. I could have done that. And I also had my support crew around me that had been cheering me on to speak and they yeah. all came up and said, Dave, you know, your standard would have been equal to that. And so then I felt um, embarrassed and maybe even ashamed right. that I'd not only let myself down, yeah. but also those those people around me, my close circle that kind of um, had been supporting me. Yeah. So I felt like I'd let them down as well. Yeah, yeah,
0: and so we um, we moved on. Yeah, and you spoke at our leaders event. How was the lead up to that event? Yeah,
1: look, um, it was a it's almost like a rite of passage. Um, I went through the same emotions that I went through prior to Springboard. Yet, what I decided to do was invest in myself. Right. So I decided to learn the craft, but more importantly, I decided to learn about what was holding me back. Yeah, right. And so I went on a journey of self discovery specific to this particular task that I'd committed to. Um, And, you know, I got really, really uncomfortable because part of that journey was uh, day one of the program was speaking to a room of 100 people I'd never met before. Yeah, right. And, you know, if I can just tell you, I absolutely shat myself. (laughs) Um, You know, they say that people have only two fears. Um, You know, one is death and the other is public speaking. And, you know, the latter is held in a higher regard.
0: And so the 100 people that you spoke to that you didn't know, was that more stressful than... Speaking to the seventy people for Lang and Simmons that you did know? No, it
1: or, probably wasn't actually yeah. because you know my fear was linked to the the judgment that I would get from an audience that knew me, and I value mm-hmm. their opinions. Yeah, exactly. Whereas when you're speaking to a room of strangers, um, I'm not going to say that you don't care, but certainly the the value that you place on their opinions is significantly less. Yeah, I still had okay. the shakes and the quivers. Yeah, yeah like sure. I, um, I I'm not usually one that is lost for words, but yet when mm-hmm. I'm on that stage, I, I went blank.
0: Yeah, uh, the first time you spoke? Yeah, I went Yeah, blank, right, yeah. You know, that's not
1: unusual, right? Um, you know, I took comfort away from the fact that each of the other 75 to 100 people, they all did the
0: same thing. But yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So um, we had the event um, in the Blue Mountains yep. and you spoke and yep. you got overwhelmingly positive feedback and yep. support. Yeah. How was that? Liberating. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, everything that we want is on the other side of fear. It's just you've got to get over that divide to get the rewards. Yeah. And, you know, the lead-up was um, incredibly stressful and, you know, I I put the work in. For all of us. For all of us. (laughs) Um, You know, I put the work in and, You um, you know, I'm glad that I did. Yeah. And so now that I've, I guess... I, I've passed that obstacle. The concept of now speaking again, it no longer has the same degree of stress or anxiety or sure. worry attached to it. And, um, it, you know, you've been very kind to extend your network and I've got other speaking opportunities as a result of that. And yeah. I haven't actually given it one second of stress.
0: Yeah, right. How good yeah, is that? ready to go. Yeah. And that's only after one real presentation, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, because the, all the other work was just part of the study. That's right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's amazing that um, that level of stress can be alleviated that
1: quickly. Yeah, well, you know what? I changed the internal monologue. You know, the story that you talk to about yourself, that changed.
0: Okay, and so so it changed from what to what? (laughs) Um, So
1: it turned from one of fear. It turned from from one of, um, I guess questioning my ability yeah. to, to one of confidence, to one okay. of clarity. And, you know, that internal shift happened as a result of the external validation that I received from my first presentation. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the response that I got, I built up in my mind that I wanted a certain response. Yeah. And I actually feared that I wasn't going to get that, yet the response that I got actually exceeded, exceeded it, yeah. what it was that I wanted and that gave me validation. Yeah, right. Um, and
0: so, you know, I, I had to experience the pain to get that reward. Yeah, right. And so um, there's a lot more speaking in your future. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Um, I
1: am embarking on an 18-month program to, I guess, further refine my ability as a speaker. And, you know, whilst that will uh, involve polishing my craft, it's yep. also going to involve further exploration of self and, sure. your, you know, your fears and your limiting beliefs, they don't go away instantaneously, it requires maintenance. Yeah. You know, the fears that you you, have had in the past, they're always going to come back in, but what you've got is you've got coping strategies. You've got mechanisms and self-awarenesses to go, hey, I've seen you before, and you know what? I've conquered you. Yeah. And so if I've conquered you before...
0: I can I can do again. it again. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. You've always um, invested in yourself massively, significantly. Yeah, so I was actually just
1: thinking about it this morning. And if I think about the last 12 months, I've actually spent almost $30,000 on self development this year. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. Wow, yeah.
1: and how are you feeling about that investment? I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's um, you know, the best investment you have is yourself. Yeah, yeah, you, you can you can put money into real estate, and it's an appreciating asset, but you don't have total control. Yeah, but what you do have total control over is yourself, how yeah. you handle yourself, your competencies, and your abilities to respond and capitalize on whatever opportunity might be in front of you. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: Now, you've also had a massive change in your health and your weight over the last few years, and that's been a journey for you for quite some time, right? Yes,
1: yeah, so I think probably um, I, I, I would suggest that um, the challenge has been with me for the entirety of my time that I've been with you, and, and certainly before that. So, yeah. um, it, you know, I've struggled with my weight, yeah. um, and most of my life I've been an emotional eater. Yeah, right. So, um, you, you know, without without boring our audience on, on my whole backstory, I <laughs> sure. guess, you, you know, everybody has challenges and everybody deals with them in different, different ways.
0: Right? Everybody's and, got a story, right? Th- yeah,
1: they do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, the way that they deal with those problems, it's different for different people. You sure. know, some people choose to drink, some people choose to, to smoke or gamble or, 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 or drugs if that's their flavour. You know, for me, it was food. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, it, you know, I, I guess I hadn't necessarily dealt with those unresolved emotions from my childhood. And you know, I'd been telling myself this story about who I was, what my identity was, as a result of my upbringing. Yeah. And you know, food food just helped me cope. Yeah. Right. And you know, my weight had fluctuated; it had contracted, um, but for the most part, it'd been a challenge that I'd not been able to overcome.
0: Yeah. And And I mean, you were there was a time. Well, I guess it was what two years ago. You were on a really strict diet and health regime, and you did lose a lot of weight, right? Yeah. Fell off the
1: wagon. Yeah, fell off the wagon. Yeah, the wagon. Yep, and then it just couldn't couldn't control it again. Couldn't control it and went back up to it. Look, I I hit a I hit a peak weight um, almost twelve months ago of 140 kilos. Yeah, right. So you know, like really, at, at kind of 38 years of age, I was kind of looking at being 40 and you know heading to a very very quick grave. Sure. Young children. I going to say with two young, yeah, two young um, kids. You know, that was something that just. I didn't want that to be my future.
0: No, exactly. So tell us about what happened.
1: Yeah, so look, I did a little bit of an investigation um, and I spent some time, I guess, learning... Uh, why we do what we do and also understanding just how big this challenge was and why I had the challenge and so I decided to uh, embark on a program of bariatric surgery right and so I had a procedure known as a gastric bypass yeah and that did two things for me that's the big one right uh yeah it is the yeah. big one. yeah well I guess they're all big I think any time that they're poking around inside your stomach it's probably yeah, a bit more than a band-aid yeah um <coughs> But you know, I'd suffered. I had a lifelong affliction from um, having heartburn, yeah. and uh, you know that had presented itself into a format where, if I didn't do something differently, that was potentially going to turn into a form of cancer. So that really, of, I did not know. Yeah, I
0: didn't know that that yeah, could happen. I
1: stage one of four Barrett's disease, which basically meant that as it progressed um, through the chronic exposure to acid in my esophagus, yeah, right. um, You know, the cells had begun to change. So the doctor kind of said, hey, listen, no matter what we do, you need to do something fix this about problem. This. Yeah. So, you know, whilst I'd originally gone and seen the surgeon um, to consult him about my, my overall weight, when it became very um, apparent that I had an acute medical condition, yeah. the decision was really easy to make.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And the result, I mean, I can see you. Yeah. <laughs> so I know how good the results have been.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, over the last 12 months, I've, I've managed to shed 45 kilos in yeah. terms of total mass. Um, but, you know, I've also been motivated to get back into the gym. So yep. I'm back into bodybuilding um, and, you know, I've managed to kind of put on maybe 10 or 15 kilos of muscle at the same time. Yeah. So I guess if you look at the net um, result, I, I guess I've probably lost the equivalent of maybe 50 or 55 kilos
0: yeah. of, of fat. Yeah, it's massive. Yeah. And how are you feeling about yourself now? Yeah, f- fabulous. Yeah. You know, And that was part of the story that I
1: told myself. Sure. So, you know, I, I, I always backed my cognitive ability. My ability to think and talk has always been there. Yep. But when you are presenting, and looking for a certain image or response from your audience, you know, if you're up there and you are 50 kilos overweight, if you're wearing clothes that, you know, they're just not comfortable it's
0: really, really hard to feel comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, totally. You know? So you are thinking people are judging you and, you know, I guess potentially they are, right? Yeah,
1: look, and I mean, as the fat guy, you're always compensating. You know, what what is it that you do or need to do to still be, you know, equal to or or above wherever it is that you want to be? And and, and it's a series of compensations. Yeah. And, you know, the, the minute that you can let go of those compensations is the minute that you can be yourself. Yeah? yeah, right. The minute you can be yourself, then, you, you know, you're far more open to, uh, you know, tackling the things that have held you back and, and kept you crippled in fear for, for a long time. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: We've been, we've just been planning some training um, for our network. Yes. And we've been talking about mindfulness and meditation. Yeah. So that's the journey that you've embarked on recently.
1: Yeah. So I um, I've... Got a coach, for want of a better word. The coach has a coach. I have a number of coaches. Yeah, I know you
0: do. <laughs> You're crazy.
1: Um, but um, yeah, so I've I've embarked on a program of mindfulness, and, and I guess the the, the embryo. So what the-
0: what does mindfulness actually
1: mean? Yeah, interesting question. Yeah. So um, mindfulness can mean many things, but right. in, in in essence, what it means is it means being able to be present. Okay. Yeah, so in, in modern day society and with, you know, the social constructs of, 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 of new business, our mind is constantly distracted, right? Yep. There is there is technology, there is people, there is money, and, you know, our mind can be a little bit like a dog chasing a ball at a park, right? It just never stops and it constantly changes direction. Yep. What mindfulness is about, it's about firstly identifying and being aware of what your mind is thinking. Yep. It might be in the future, it might be in the past, but making a conscious decision to bring your state of awareness into now,
0: Right. So it's about being more present. And focusing on whatever's happening around you, focusing on your breath, focusing on... Well, it can be both or okay. it can be neither. Um, the actual practice of achieving a state of mindfulness
1: is traditionally done through meditation. Right. And when we meditate, what we do is we bring our state of awareness to internal functions. And so that may be the, the way that we breathe, the rising or the fall of the chest. It might be the air going in and out of our nostrils. And whilst we're focusing on that, We're not having conversations with ourselves about something that either has happened or is about to happen. Yeah, right. You know, one of my favorite books is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And, you know, I probably read that book five or six times and never got through it because I just I wasn't in that right space. Sure. But, you know, what he talks about is the past is gone. It no longer exists. Sure. Um, the future has yet to be written. It does not exist. The only time is now. Yeah. And so, you know, if we are focusing in the past or we're focusing in the future, we're actually not really being effective. Sure. So for me, um, you know, I'm still very much a student. Um, I'm in the early stages and I've got, a lot to learn but you know I've just found that in itself has enabled me to have a greater sense of resources that I haven't had and 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 I think for me the most obvious of that is I've now got a greater access to creativity yeah you know, right I'm very left or traditionally I've been very left brain focused very analytical very process driven but yes he is very analytical <laughs> yeah and, and and you know what, what what I what I'd learned is that that was a defense mechanism yeah, sure. I, I built this. I built this to kind of keep myself feeling safe. You know,
0: again coming back to the fat guy, right? I needed right. to be five steps ahead from a cognition was, perspective. Yeah, it was always. It's always important to you to be not necessarily the smartest one in the room, but to feel like you're ahead of where the conversation or whatever yeah. it is is going.
1: And again, that, the need for that is safety, right? Yeah, not, sure. not being exposed.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, what I've been working
1: really hard on is letting go of those left brain processes, the, the, the pragmatism and the logic, whilst they're still there, what I've been trying to move towards is becoming more connected with my own emotions and my feelings, uh, creativity and imagination. Yeah. Uh, courage. Yeah, You you know, compassion, Um, you know, they are all potentially uh, female archetype words, you know, referencing your your statement for before. But for me to evolve and grow, um, I've already got those competencies and those skill sets and those left brain rationale. It's about, well, how can I access and utilise more of the other part of my abilities? And mindfulness helps me do that.
0: Yeah, and so how's it going? Yeah, good Look, It's a
1: challenge. Yeah, right. You know, it's not a cakewalk, but yet if it was, then, you know, potentially it wouldn't have the impact that I want it to. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's. Thursday at, you know, what, 3.30 um, now. Um, after we're done at close of business, I'm going to go and see my coach and, and we do three hours. Of so
0: meditation or we, we'll mindfulness? It's, it's a
1: three-hour session, for yep. for want of a better word, where right. we're deconstructing what the practice has been over the last week, the lessons, the challenges, and we're connecting it to, um, I guess, life coaching, if you like. Yep. So there's a lot of life coaching-centric principles. Um, but then we will actually do a meditation and we build. The uh-huh. Right. So for each session that we do, we're introducing a new layer, a new competency, a new awareness, and and you know what I struggle because part of the commitment that we need to do is we need to commit to a twenty minute block of meditation twice a day. Now, right. You, you know uh, I, I work a huge number of hours every week. Yeah. Um, I've got my own coaching and consulting business on the side. I've got you
0: kids, two young kids. I've
1: got two young kids. I try and play golf and get to the gym. So you know time is really sparse. Sure. And I'd be lying if I said one hundred percent compliance to it. Yeah. But you know the 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 over, over, overarching theme of meditation is to remove your sense of attachment, to remove your sense of judgment. So, you know, if you go into it thinking I must meditate mm. 10 out of 10, well, that's actually counterintuitive sure. to the whole purpose because it's about removing your sense of attachment to it. So I, I, I'm okay with where
0: I'm at. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, sounds like a really interesting journey. Absolutely. And, and you know, I think
1: that by and large the concept of mindfulness is an expression of wellness. I think as an industry, and I know a large amount of your audience are from the real estate industry, sure. um, and I know that there are a number of coaches out there that are advocates of wellness, sure. uh, I, I think that this is going to be a really important topic sort of into 2020 and beyond.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And it's a conversation that we're having um, a lot more frequently now. It's not a conversation that we would have had five years ago. Correct. And the other thing that I know that you're passionate about is why. Why do people do the things that they do? Yeah. And do you find that people struggle with understanding what their why is? Definitely. Um, I don't think that it is a question
1: that unless you've given due time and consideration to, you can answer on the spot. Sure. Um, As you could well imagine in my coaching, I ask that question a number of times every day and it wouldn't surprise you that for the most part, My audience have no clue.
0: Yeah, do they look at you as if you're like, what the, what, what does that question even mean? Yeah, look, and sometimes I need to rephrase it in a number of different ways. You know, why is kind of the commercial
1: term that's been bandied around as a result of sort of Simon Sinek's work and stuff. But you know, we might talk about purpose. Sure. Yeah. What, what, what is your purpose? What is your reason? Um, You know, there are a number of different ways that we can frame the question, but for us to have a congruent, authentic answer, it actually requires a considerable amount of introspection. Meaning, you've got to look within. Yeah. And you know, at the beginning of this podcast. We said the only voice that matters is the one that talks to you about you when you're only with you. Well, here's the thing. That voice quite often says unpleasant things to you. Totally. And so if we're going on a on a journey of introspection, we've got to be prepared to be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. And on the other side of that vulnerability comes courage. Yeah. And then if you're courageous enough, which you know is the theme of your podcast, if you're courageous enough to lean into that discomfort, well then you're going to open up the doors. To get those answers,
0: yeah, and
1: I, I, I think that the value of those answers is immeasurable. You know, in business, we typically map everything against an ROI. So if we're going to spend a dollar, I'm going to spend an hour. What is that return going to be? Yeah. But yet, I really believe that if we dedicate the time to finding our true purpose with passion, conviction, and and clarity, then the results that you will get, the ability to uh, be in flow. And the decisions that you can make, it is immeasurable. So, you know, anybody that is out there that has ever thought, hey, what does this why mean? You know, my encouragement and invitation would be,
0: take a deep dive of self. Yeah, right. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast myself on the way to work this morning, and it was a coach talking about purpose and values. Yeah. And he said, um, if you want to work out what your purpose is, think about what it is you want people to be saying about you when you're not in the room. Yeah. So, what is it that you want people to say about you when you're not in the room? So, I think
1: that um, that's a really good quote and, and I think that probably reflects reasonably well and, and I think, you know, what, what we can sum that up is is, is your identity, right? So, who, oh, who am I? Yep. And, and for me, your, your identity is the aggregate sum total of your values and your beliefs. Yeah. And so, for me, um, what I would like people to be saying about me when I wasn't in the room would be my top three values. So, you know, my top yep. value, my number one value is authenticity. Yep. My number two is growth. Yep. And my number three is contribution. Yeah. And so if the people that I knew or even people that didn't know me, they observed me and they were talking about me whilst I wasn't there, I would love them to say, you know what? David's real. Yeah. What he says he does, what he believes in is how he acts. Yeah. I would like them to say, you know what, he is focused on evolution. He is focused on growing himself. Yeah. You know, we can either be green and growing or we can be ripe and rotting. Sure. You know, we don't stay static. Yeah. And so growth is really important to me and I think that's evidenced by the investment that I've made in myself in the last twelve months and also the years that have preceded that. Totally. And then contribution. So, you know, for me, this is an extension of purpose because it's around legacy. Yeah. You know, what what do I want to be thought of? I would like to think that if I dealt with somebody either professionally or personally, I'd like to think that they would say, you know what, he actually gave a shit. He cared about... Who I was, why I was, yeah. and the advice or the time that he gave me left me off in a better place, either personally or professionally. Yeah, you know, as a, as a coach um, and, and as a business coach, you, you know, I sometimes ask myself the question: Am I leaving the planet a better place as a result of making real estate agents more technically competent or business owners more profitable? Well, I'm helping them in the short term, but by and large, society and the planet is is not getting that same benefit. And so sure. that's why I spent the time around the behavioral sciences and helping people understand their why their how and their what so that they can make decisions more authentically and, and ultimately you know that that's where conflict is then avoided if people accept and understand who they are they've got sure. no need to to build false images of themselves to yeah.
0: the like well yeah yeah absolutely i mean authenticity has always been um a thing for you in the four years that i've known you yeah were you authentically you three or four years ago no no absolutely even not. though it was something that was still a value right it was still important to and i mean here's the thing you know there's lots of conversation around what a value represents yeah sure
1: Um, and and so you know for me and certainly in the fields that i've spent my considerable study in a a, a value comes from many places a value can come from your your upbringing and we can learn it through osmosis so you know my, my dad valued wealth sure. and so therefore you value it so monkey see monkey do sure. but as we develop and as we get older the, the birthplace of our values change right yep. and so for, for me i believe a value comes from a core need and more specifically an unmet core need and what i mean by that is people only value what they do not yet have at a level at a level that is not acceptable to themselves and they will strive to achieve and meet that need right. once they meet that need it
0: becomes deprioritized it's no longer as important as it once was so does that mean that authenticity may not be one of your core values next year yeah, you yeah correct
1: yeah correct so right. values are constantly moving right? Yeah, right so we've got we've got six core human values or needs that are present for everybody right yeah but beyond that we've all got our own unique fingerprint we've got our own unique drivers and so for me my number one ta- my number one value of authenticity meant that that was the highest need that i had it was not yet met. But as I become completely me, as I become completely whole, right. then that focus will not be as prevalent because I've achieved that and it's going to be on autopilot. So if I've, I've adjusted how I go about life, how I go about viewing myself yeah, right. and it becomes authentic and aligned, there's every chance that that will be replaced by something by else that's my else. highest value. Yeah. Yeah. So it's constantly moving. And by the way, our order our values are also continually shifting based on our environment, yeah, right. our life conditions. You know, when things are going well, we may value evolution and growth. But yet, you know, when we're faced with a shitstorm, by the way, we're only going to be focused on survival. Yeah. And so what we deem to be important and therefore our unmet needs, they change.
0: Yep, so we can't just set our values um, and, like, set and forget. It's something that you need to revisit. Yeah, look, I, I look at them probably annually.
1: I'd yeah, say, right. I mean, look, you know, they're, they're part of my masthead of my coaching business. So, yeah, right. Um, I look at them daily. Um, but more importantly, you know, attached to these values needs to be some beliefs, you yeah. know, because your beliefs are, are, sure. are your roadmap, if you like. Yep. And, you, you know, these beliefs help you make decisions. And so if we're going to make a decision, we want to ask
0: ourselves, well, does this align with our beliefs? And does the belief align with your values? And does the action then align with... Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that all makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, that's probably a really good place to finish the conversation today. We've been speaking for half an hour. Have we really? Yeah, I know. It just goes by like... Like uh, that. There you go. Oh, I was no. just
1: I was just saying to Chantelle, there's no way we're going to speak for 30 minutes. Really? But you get me talking and I can't stop.
0: Yes, exactly. I yeah. have no doubt. <laughs> um, so if anybody um, wants to get in touch with you, yeah. what's the best way to do
1: it? Yeah, probably via email, I would have thought. Sure. So uh david.robinson. That's R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N at L S R E dot AU.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having, having
1: me. You. Cheers guys. Bye. Bye.